You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Okay, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to continue our series in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 3, and we're going to just look at the first three verses to start with, and we're going to talk about the power of joy. In these first three verses, Paul reminds us of the practical power of joy. Do you realize that joy is a vital part of our life and of a successful life in Christ? Are you currently experiencing joy in your life? If not, would you like to? But I'll say this, also, if you're not, I'll tell you that you're missing a very integral part of something God uh, intends for you to have. And really, you cannot live a successful Christian life without the joy of the Lord. In the early days of coal mining, there was no way to detect the deadly gases that would arise while they were working uh, beneath the surface of the earth. And so it was, it was a very common thing for these gases to overcome miners, and there were many that would die because of this. So they come up with a low-tech way to detect these gases. And so the miners actually began to take these canaries down into the mines with them. So they would take these, these uh, beautiful singing yellow birds with them down into the mine. And as long as those birds were singing and chirping, uh, the miners knew that they could just continue to work away and do what they were doing. However, if those birds became silent, and then they would become silent if there was deadly gases there, then they would wobble uh, on their perch. Then they would fall to the floor of the cage. The miners would know that they had better get out of there as quickly as possible to get to the surface, to get a big fresh, uh, big breath of fresh air. Uh, but you know, Christian joy is a lot like that singing yellow bird. When the singing stops, you know that you're in danger. And so you've got to ask yourself, has the singing stopped? Do you have the joy of the Lord? See, if the singing has stopped, you'd better stop what you're doing. And you better set your sights on higher ground and you need to get a breath of fresh air. It doesn't matter if you're in ministry or just uh, within your marriage, within your personal life. If you do not have joy, man, you need to find out why and you need to find out fast. Stop what you're doing and get a breath of fresh air as quickly as possible. Get to higher ground because that's a sign of danger when the singing stops. It lets you know that you can no longer continue in the current atmosphere that you're living in. And so these verses speak some words uh, to which we are employed. In verse 1, he says this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And if you remember the book of Philippians, Paul is reminding them and encouraging them to rejoice repeatedly. He says, To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, in these verses, the first thing he does is he gives us a little bit of a refresher. What he says there, to write the same things to you again, to me indeed is not grievous. Uh, so there's a refresher here. See, life-changing principles and truths are worth repeating. They're worth repeating in lessons. They're worth repeating in our learning. We learn, the Bible says, line upon line, line upon line. 
precept upon precept, precept upon precept. So we learn through repet repetition. What are these truths that Paul so eagerly repeats uh, throughout here? The, the, again, there's, a, there's a, a blessing. Sometimes as a preacher, uh, talking about rejoicing, because if you've uh, listened to me preach very long, you know this is really at the heart of, uh, I, I love preaching about rejoicing. It's one of the things that makes a difference to me. It's an encouragement to me. And so uh, there's times if I'm not careful, I can almost feel bad for old man preaching about rejoicing again. But then I've got to be like Paul and say, you know what? For me to preach the same thing to you is not grievous. It's a blessing, amen, because if it's worth preaching once, it's worth preaching again because the Word of God, there's these principles that matter. So he says to write the same things are not grievous to me. So don't let them be grievous to your heart either. So he gives a refresher. Uh, what is the refresher? That we should rejoice. The book of Philippians, 10 times in the book of Philippians, in the sh these short four chapters, we read the word rejoice. Six times we read the word joy. And so <laughs> rejoicing and joy is a big part of what Paul's trying to encourage these people to do. So the refresher is about rejoicing. The refresher is about regarding. What does he say there in verse 2? Beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. Now, it's probably a smart thing to beware of dogs, but the truth is he's not talking about physical dogs here, uh, but what he's talking about is false teachers. There were these false teachers that were called Judaizers. They would follow Paul around and try to convince and convert the people that trusted Christ uh, to convert them to this kind of uh, this Judaism, this, uh, this kind of quasi-Judaism, Christendom thing to where they would have to keep the law or convert to Judaism and then they could become saved or they had to be circumcised. But basically the bottom line is he was saying beware of false teachers. He called them dogs. He called them dogs because of their bark because of the things they would bark, the things they would say. He called them dogs because of their bellies, their appetite. They had an appetite. They had a voracious hunger to lead people away from the truth of the gospel of Christ. And so uh, these uh, false teachers, we need to regard. He called them dogs. He said, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. Uh, the evil workers there, again, men that are teaching that a sinner was saved by faith plus good works. Um, and especially the works of the law. He called them evil workers. He said, beware of the concision. And that word is a uh, kind of a pun on the word circumcision, but it literally means mutilation. They were mutilating people physically, but he says you're also mutilating churches spiritually. Folks, the admonition that Paul wrote to them on this day is no different than the day that we're living in. We still need to be, be we need, still need to be aware of dogs. We still need to be aware of evil workers. We still need to be aware of these false teachers. See, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, referring to our time that we now live, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse as far as false teaching is concerned. It says they will be deceiving and being deceived. So we have to be aware today as well. There are many false teachers that are leading souls away from Christ. Just because somebody has a, a Bible and a smile does not necessarily mean they're preaching the truth of God's Word. Get into God's Word for yourself and make sure that what's being preached and what's being taught is right according to the Word of God. 
Uh, the Bible says that we must earnestly contend for the faith. Amen. We need to contend. We need to battle for the faith, the, 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 the Word of God. We need to contend for it, stand for it. But as we do this, we need to remember. In verse 3, he says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and, re and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So he says that we should remember something. Remember, we are the people, he says, that worship God in the Spirit. We don't depend upon our good works, which is only the flesh. We worship God in the Spirit. Then, of course, our bodies follow, but we make sure that we're worshiping God in the Spirit. Uh, the one thing about he, what he tells us to do is to worship God in the Spirit. Number two, we need to make our boast in Jesus Christ. People who depend on their works usually boast about it. People like to boast about their churches. They like to boast about uh, their religion and so forth. Folks, we have nothing to glory in or to boast in except Jesus Christ. Amen. And so uh, boast in Christ and then have no confidence in the flesh. So there's a reminder here. Now, what does all this have to do with where we started off with rejoicing? Well, it has a lot to do with it because really, if you think about it, in verse 2, he's talking about the warring. Beware of these dogs. Beware of these evil workers. Beware of false teachers that would lead you astray. Then in verse 3, he's talking about our life, worshiping God in the Spirit, rejoicing in the Lord, not putting confidence in the flesh. He's talking about the way we live our lives. And so he's talking about our warring and he's talking about our walking. And, but he begins by talking about our worship. Again, verse 1 of chapter 3 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. So he says, I'm going to talk to you about watching out for the false teachers, and I want to talk to you about living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. But the first thing you need to understand and to remember is this, rejoice. Have the joy of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Why is that so important? What's the basis of this? And so you might even ask the question when I say, and God tells us that, hey, you ought to rejoice. You may ask the question, well, what do I have to be joyful for? Well, uh, the Bible says this, the basis of our rejoicing. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. So the basis of our rejoicing is in the Lord. See, he never changes. So he's worthy. We can rejoice in the goodness of God. Uh, the Bible says in Malachi 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. We can rejoice in a, in a wise God, a holy God, a loving God who never changes. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. So we can rejoice in our Lord, but we can also rejoice in something else that doesn't change, and that's our standing as a child of God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, I love this story that when the, uh, the, the apostles had been out, they, they were casting out demons. And man, they were so excited about it. And they were coming back and just rejoicing and uh, praising the Lord as they came back. But Jesus looked at them and said, Hey, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So why do we rejoice? So we don't necessarily rejoice because things are so great. You think about this. Remember where Paul was writing this letter from? He was in prison. 
But there's no wonder that Paul could praise while he was in prison. There's no wonder why he could have joy while he was in jail. He could shout while he was in shackles. He could be blessed behind bars. Why? Because although he was physically in jail, he wasn't talking as much about being in jail. He didn't say that we should rejoice in jail. Now, he was rejoicing while he was in jail physically, but spiritually, he understood a greater reality that he, was, that he was in Christ. So, he was rejoicing in the Lord. See, he was rejoicing in the Lord spiritually while physically he was in prison. See, we must, not, we must learn not to let our circumstances dictate the joy that we have uh, in Christ. I mean, listen, our joy should be dictated by Christ, not our circumstances. People look at a suffering Christian, for instance, and they'll ask a suffering Christian, man, I've, I've seen people that are going through such difficulties in their life, whether it's loss of a loved one or whether it's a physical ailment or whether it's just one trial after the other. And man, I, I've gone and seen people in the hospital after losing a loved one unexpectedly. And, you know, you really brace yourself because you're thinking, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say and how am I going to encourage this person? But you get there and that person ends up being an encouragement to you. They're, they're, they've got joy. Now, bear with me for a second because I want to talk about the difference between joy and happiness. They're not joying in their loss and they're not joying necessarily in uh, their pain. But what they're joying in is their spiritual state and that is in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. So, uh, uh, you know, you ask a Christian, how can you have joy in your pain? Or isn't, uh, isn't the pain uh, that, that you have, uh, how, how do you get through that? But the answer is this, that the, the spiritual reality it helps decide our physical reality, our spiritual reality. So when I'm in Christ, my joy is determined, amen, because He never changes. And my standing in Him never changes. Circumstances change, but He never changes. Therefore, I can always have joy in Him. Why? Not because circumstances are good, but because He is good. Not because I'm good, but because He is good. So rejoicing in the Lord. He's always good. Now, so we see the basis of our rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord, but we also see the background of rejoicing. Now, many people want to dismiss joy and rejoicing as emotionalism, but it's anything but that. One reason that joy is so fundamental is because it's an act of faith and obedience to God and His Word. It's also very humbling to the flesh. Consider with me just for a moment uh, the, the importance of joy. Now, while I was studying for this message, I just looked up joy in the Bible and rejoicing in the Bible. And man, you ought to look it up. There's so many verses that talk about this. But I just want to share a few really key verses with you on the subject. Think about when Jesus Christ first made His appearing on this earth or the night uh, before, or the, the night of, I should say. In Luke chapter 10, verse or chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, 
which shall be to all people. I'm coming with the message of great joy. So when Jesus come to this earth, he came with the message of great joy to all people. Jesus said this during his ministry in John 15, 11. He says, says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I've spoken these things to you. Jesus said, I'm preaching to you. I'm teaching these things to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So, uh, you know, lest you just think that joy is something that you can, 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 you know, take it or leave it. Jesus says this in John 16, 24, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. He says, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. The Lord wants your joy to be full because it's so vital. Again, we can't do the work that we need to do for him. You know, just like those miners down working in the coal mine. Man, if you start, if you start being overcome with those deadly gases, if, that, if, if the song stops being sung, you know things are getting dangerous. And I'm telling you, that's why it's so imperative. It's so important to have joy. Five times in the book of Acts, we read about joy and rejoicing. The, the apostles, they're carrying out their ministry with joy. And they're spreading joy as they go. Uh, Romans 14, verse 17, the Bible says, For the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Philippians 1.25, he says that I may... Uh, that I, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Your furtherance and joy of faith. Then how about this one? I, I alluded to this earlier. James chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall, fall into divers' temptations. Count it all joy when you're having difficulties, when you're having a hard time. Again, not happiness, as we're going to see in just a moment, but joy. And then I'll just give you another one here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the kind of joy that the Lord wants to have for us. I mean, he's, th these things he's written unto us that our joy may be full. And then just to cap it off, think about this. So he started with joy when he came into the world, but he said on the day about entering into the kingdom, he said, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Amen? I mean, he wants you and I to have joy. So we see the basis of this joy. We see the, uh, the, the benefit of this joy. See, there's some definite practical principles in practicing joy. We don't have to be bitter and sour as we contend for the faith. Remember what he said here? Beware of dogs. Watch out for those false teachers. Watch out. In other words, there's enemies of the gospel, enemies of the cross out there that we've got to be on guard against. But you know what? We don't have to be bitter and sour as we contend for the faith. We can and we should be joyful soldiers, amen? I mean, I'm amazed at how bitter and uh, stuff people get. I, I, I remember years ago, uh, uh, somebody asking the question, if you're so right, why are you so mad, amen? I mean, listen, you don't, have to, you don't really have to argue when you know the truth, amen? You can look at me today and, and, and say that this Bible sitting in front of me 
is a watermelon. Well, I could get all worked up and start throwing stuff and carry on and let my face turn red trying to convince you that it's a Bible. But you know what? I don't have to do that because you're an idiot. It's a Bible, all right? And so why do people have to get... I mean, I understand. Listen, there's some things. The Bible says be angry and sin not. There's some things that should anger us. But I'm telling you, we've got to keep things into perspective. Joy has got to be at the heart of what we do. We can contend for the faith while being joyful because we know the truth, amen? And so, because uh, notice, notice what he says here. He says in verse 1, to write the same things to you, to me it indeed is not grievous, but he says this, but for you it is safe. I'm telling you these things because it is safe. So if it's safe, they're signifying that there must be some kind of danger. There's a danger of losing your joy. And to lose your joy, I'll tell you how it happens. The reason why I say if you're losing your joy, why it matters so much. Folks, losing our joy really comes down to this, taking our eyes off of Jesus. I mean, listen, there's a danger of that. There's a danger of losing the battle when we lose our joy. Why? Because we're taking our eyes off of Jesus. There's a danger in losing our context and losing perspective. In other words, to where we can begin to put confidence in the flesh. See, joy isn't based on a feeling. Joy isn't based on feeling, but it's founded in faith. Founded in faith. See, as we consider joy and rejoicing, it's not based on feeling. But I want to tell you something. When you rejoice by faith, thank God God will give you some feeling to accompany that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a blessing. Amen. See, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't mean, joy does not mean that you're never going to go through stress and difficulties and challenges. I mean, joy does not mean you're putting your head in the sand and ignoring the, the, the things that are going on in the world around us. No, what it, do, what it just simply means is that we're keeping things in perspective because joy brings things into focus. Why? Because joy is keeping a focus on Jesus and on what he's done in our life. See, so it's, it, it's not, so joy doesn't mean that we're not going through difficult times, uncertain times. But I tell you, what it means is where you turn during difficult times, where you turn during troublesome times, stressful times, times that seem out of control. If you turn to the Lord, I like what the Bible says in Psalm 16, verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy. I like what Psalm 46, the Bible says God is our refuge, amen? What do we do? We, we go to God in times of difficulties. We go to God in times of, of stress. He's our refuge, amen? So it doesn't mean that things aren't still going on, but it means that my faith is in a good God, amen? A God that's all-powerful, a God that's all-wise, a God that's all-present, a God that's all-loving. I mean, listen, He's too wise to make a mistake. He's too loving to let to, to do me wrong. He's too powerful to something uh, to let something happen to me that's out of his control. Therefore, I can have joy. Amen. I've got a good God. You've got a good God. So that's what joy is. Joy is key because it means that we're looking to Jesus. We're magnifying him. This keeps our confidence in him and not in ourselves. We will, uh, if we've got our eyes on Him, we're not going to be prideful, having confidence in the flesh, and we're not going to be prideful in battle, and we're not going to be worried in battle. 
See, if we keep our eyes just on the enemy and not on Christ, if we begin to lose our joy as we're working and as we're warring, I'll tell you what happens. What happens is that we can become consumed and obsessed. I've known some good preachers that seems like they've become almost obsessed with an enemy or what they deem to be an enemy and, and consumed by it. See, whatever you focus on becomes much larger and clearer. There's a lot of things out here to see, but whatever you focus on is what you're going to notice, is what's going to take precedence in your mind. And if we get too much of a focus on the enemy or our battles or on problems or on ourselves, I'm telling you, it's going to be very detrimental in our lives. So if we focus on the enemy, what can happen? We can become angry. And I'm not talking about being angry in the sense of, you know, be angry and sin not. But I'm telling you, we can, we can become angry in a bitter type of way. Uh, we, can become, we, we can become intimidated. We can become, look at the enemy around us and feel that all is lost. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, we can become frustrated because it doesn't seem like things are changing and we can't, ch we can't change people's mind. But since, so, so since we're not looking at the power of the Lord, then we think, I must defeat them. These things can happen. See, you can tell you're missing joy if you talk more about your enemies and your battles than you do the blessed Savior. Amen? Do you have the joy of the Lord? Do you have that song? I mean, singing, crying out. I mean, is there something still in your heart to where you're just so glad you're saved, glad that you know the Lord, glad that, praise God, you know the truth that'll set you free and that you've got the truth that can set others free? I mean, if that's not in your heart today, man, you need to do a checkup, amen. You need to get to some higher ground. You need to get some fresh air in the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, listen, you can tell when you start thinking more about your enemies than the Lord. Also, you lose sight of who the enemy really is. I mean, man, think about on, I think about on Facebook sometimes, it gets annoying. Uh, people forget who the enemy is. People start thinking the enemy is each other, and they fight over the stupidest things and the most petty things. See, when you lose your joy, you're, you lose your joy because you're, you're taking your eyes off of Jesus, how good he is and how good he's been to us, and, and off the, the job he's left us here to do. And you start thinking uh, that everybody's the enemy. And you start trying to, uh, you know, like Peter, just chop off people's head with the sword. Uh, but, you know, so you can lose sight of who the enemy really is. The Bible says our battle's not with flesh and blood. If you think your enemy is flesh and blood, I want you to understand something today. That lets you know right now you are missing it. Now, it doesn't mean that Satan can't use flesh and blood, but some people just seem to want to win an argument when they talk to people or want to try to bash somebody or best somebody. Man, I'm more about winning the person than I am the argument. Amen? I want some, I'd rather somebody be righteous than me be right. Amen? So in other words, I want to be able to reach out in love and patience with people. So there's different things you can lose in the battle. Another thing that can affect you in the battle, you can be like Joshua at Ai. If you remember him, if we're not looking to Jesus, we may not be looking. He says to beware of these dogs. We've got to beware of these false teachers. And if we're not walking with Jesus and keeping our eyes on him, there's a good chance that we could underestimate the enemy. Uh, underestimate the, the enemy's use in false doctrine and so forth. That can happen just like it did with AI. In other words, not taking the enemy seriously enough. That can be a major detriment as well. But if we're looking unto Jesus, we can have folks balance. 
We can have balance. We can see the enemy for who he is, who and what he is using, and we can combat that with truth, and we can do so joyfully. Amen? We don't have to be mad because we got the truth. We ought to be glad because we got the truth, all right? So joy means keeping our thoughts and attention on Jesus. This helps put everything else into perspective. We talked last week about Nehemiah working and warring. But the key to being successful was the joy of the Lord. You know, last week we talked about Nehemiah. He, he had a sword in one hand. He had a trial in the other. You know, it's right here in the context. Beware of dogs. He had the sword. Man, we're ready to contend for the faith. He had the trial, amen. He was building and he was working for the Lord. But you know what he had that, that made those things work? The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where will the strength come from to fight the battles that we need to fight? Our joy. Where will the, uh, the strength come from to get the work done in the field? It's going to come from our joy. The psalmist gives us living example, one after the other through the psalms, about how that we can win through worship. Does any of you like winning? I like winning. And I'm telling you, the best way to win, the only way to win in the Christian life is to do so with joy. But here's what he says. Uh, while he's facing the enemy, there's a good example of this. Psalm 59, verse 1. This is when Saul was Saul had sent some of David's own buddies, if you will, and partners to kill him, all right? He had people after him. And so he starts off in Psalm 50, 59, verse 1, by saying, Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. Now, so that's his prayer. Lord, there's people after me. The enemy's after me. So what does he do? He goes to God. He turns to the Lord. Now, in the middle of this, now the enemy's still not yet been defeated, but before this psalm is over, in verse 16 of Psalm 59, he says this, But I will sing of thy power. Amen? He's singing. I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and, and, and the God of my mercy. See, the battle hasn't even been won. These guys are still out to kill him. But what is he doing? He's praising God anyway. See, there's way to see. Joy is a response of faith and confidence. That's what joy is. It's a response of faith and confidence. It's a matter of the will. It's a matter of the will. Throughout that psalm, what did he say? I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. I will rejoice. I will praise him. Folks, joy is a decision. Rejoicing is a decision. And it's a response of faith, not just a feeling. And so, uh, so think about that. Rejoicing before the battle's ever been won. That's how you win. That's how you win. Man, we need to learn to win battles before we ever fight. Many of the greatest generals, they have said sometimes through, through, uh, throughout the years of war history and everything, man, they just about had the battle won. They saw the battle won before it ever even started. 
And I'm telling you, with our God, that's the kind of rejoicing that we can have, amen, and the joy that we can have. So uh, it, it's a response of faith. I like what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. It, it, this is a great, great principle, so don't miss it. He says this, For he hath said, For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, this is the principle of what real faith is, and therefore what, what, where joy comes from. He has said that we may boldly say. See, the, the name and claim it, uh, just name whatever you want to and claim it, folks, that's not in the Bible. What we can name and claim is what God's already told us, amen? See, God, the faith is laying hold of what God's already said. What does it say right there? He hath said so that we may boldly say. And, 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 and in closing today, I just want to close kind of with this example about joy. Uh, and I want to say for me to tell you this is not grievous. Uh, but I want to say I do not believe that I would be in the ministry today if it wasn't for the joy of the Lord. See, for me, it started years ago when I was doubting my salvation. Any of you ever doubted your salvation, doubted whether or not you're saved? I have. Um, and man, I, I, doubted, I doubted was I really saved? And back in those days, I wasn't so sure. I'm like, man, what, am I saved? And, or was I saved? And then I lost it. Do I need to get saved again? I was confused, amen? Uh, I mean, uh, after all, I didn't feel saved. And there was times I wasn't living like I thought a saved person should live. There were times, again, when I didn't feel saved, and I would uh, go through this, but there'd be other times to where I did feel saved. And, and there would be, maybe I'd string a couple days together where I would live the kind of life that I thought would be pleasing to the Lord. And so what happened? I felt good. I felt happy on those days. But is salvation really based on perception and performance? Because that's kind of what I was basing it on. Okay, I feel good. I must be saved. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing right. I'm, I must be saved. I was so up and down, as one great theologian said, I was as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. That's how I was. I was up and down. When things were going good, I'm like, okay, good, it must be cool. When I'm living right, man, it must be good. But when I began to struggle, I would go the other way. But listen to me. Listen to me. Finally, I examine what thus saith the word of God. And I begin to look into the scripture, Evan, and I begin to ask the question, what does God's word say about getting saved? Number one, the Bible says in John 6, 44, that no man cometh unto the Father, or not cometh unto me except the Father which sent him, draw me, except he draw me. And so the very first thing I looked at is that the Bible teaches that God convicted me and in John 16, verse 8, the Bible says that he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. So what did the Scripture say? The Scripture said that the Spirit of God draws a person to salvation, convicts them of their sin. And you know what I could say? Okay, I remember God doing that in my life. He then showed me the price of sin, which is death and which is hell, which is the penalty of sin. Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I realized that I had sinned. 
And then Romans 6, 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I, I realized the gift of God. I realized the penalty of sin. Then he showed me the cross. He showed me the gift of God. He showed me that what Jesus did was for me to pay the penalty for my sin so that I might be saved. And folks, listen, I repented. I turned to him, believing on the Lord, amen, from my heart. Romans 10 verse 9 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Romans 10 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bottom line is, I went to the word of God. And I looked through there, and I didn't feel saved. But based on the word of God, I was saved. And you want to know a prayer that I prayed to God? It may sound kind of strange. But I can remember saying these words to the Lord. I prayed, the, I prayed this, Lord, according to your word, I'm saved. According to your word, I'm saved. So unless you tell me otherwise, I'm going to start living that way. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start warring. I'm going to start worshiping. I'm going to start winning. Amen. And you want to know something? When I made that decision by faith to just believe and accept His Word, I'm telling you, there was a confidence and assurance that came in my heart that, my friend, I've not been the same since that day. See, and from that time on, I became known as a joyful person. Uh, down, uh, down, down home, I even got a nickname that some of my friends still call me down there. They call me Jumpin' Jesse because I was known as a joyful person, uh, just uh, a joyful and happy in the Lord. See, I, I, I was known so much for joy, in fact, that there were some people, some people that mean a lot to me today, that said that I would never make it in the ministry. Now, mind you, they said this over 20 years ago. He'll never make it in the ministry. You know why they said that? They said he's too emotional. He's just too emotional. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I wasn't emotional. I was joyful, amen? And I'm telling you, I don't know where I would be without the joy of the Lord. And to God be the glory, I'm still rejoicing today. And I'm not saying that, I, that there's not times that, I, that that singing stops in my heart. There, there is times like that. But what do I do? Man, I try to get back to the surface. Amen. I try to get back to higher ground. I try to get back and get a good fresh of air. The power of joy. You cannot live. You cannot effectively work for the Lord. You cannot effectively war for the Lord uh, if you don't have the joy of the Lord. Amen. And so I pray that you do have that today. And if you don't, get into God's Word. If, you don't, if you're not sure about your salvation, get into God's Word once again. Send us a message. Send me a text. Call me. I'd love to help you uh, know how you can be certain that your sins have been forgiven. Amen. So God bless you, and we look forward to uh, seeing you on Sunday. See that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Good job playing with it right here. Yeah. yeah. Didn't know what was going to happen. Was that Jose? Oh, I have no clue. He was a Mexican. Did they leave? Yeah. yeah. He was in a big white or tan van. I bet it was. Yep, he called me. Was he the carpet guy? Yeah. Probably. Man, I felt like that was really bad.